So like I said, this morning we're going to be entering into an idea, a series, uh, more or less our spring series, even though it hasn't felt like spring uh, the last few days. A spring series called Who is King? Who is King? And, and I want this to be our constant kind of recurring question that we ask ourselves every time we step into this text. Because this morning we're going to be in, uh, talking about specifically Samuel and how vital he is to the movement of this book that we're into right now. And then as we get into Saul and as we get into David, these people and these individuals and this work that God is intending to do, that I pray that our constant question would be, who is King? Who is king? And so, you know, uh, in that text that we read, and a lot of times when we talk about Jesus, we talk about Jesus as Lord, as Lord. And so what do we mean when we say that? Well, the, the word Lord used here in the text is used, and, and all throughout the Bible over 5,000 times, this word Lord is used to describe Yahweh or Jehovah, the holy name of God. You know, and in this time, you know, when they would write out the Hebrew word for, for, for Lord, Yahweh, they wouldn't even spell it out completely because for them, the word Yahweh, to see it written, to say it, was just so mighty, was just so holy, was just so glorified, was just so majestic that they didn't feel worthy to write the letters that combined to make the name up because he was just so good. And so for us this morning, as we enter into this idea and we talk about who is king or who is the Lord, who is Yahweh in our life, that we would kind of refocus our mind to this idea of power, this idea of authority, this idea of influence and rule. Because in reality for us, and, and I know this is the case for me, and my wife could attest to this because I am not easily impressed by much. And I'm very skeptical. I, I tend to uh, weigh on the side of pessimism more than anything, and it's a fault of mine. But, uh, you know, for us in our world, we are so unimpressed by so much. You know, very seldom are we just awestruck by something anymore. You know, and so what is, what is the reason for that? Why, why is that? You know, but, and most of it because we live in such an information age where we can see anything from anywhere and nothing surprises us. You know, we live in the age of big budget movies, blockbusters, CGI, you know, all these things that just are so uh, really magnificent in their scope, uh, but take away from our... I guess the, the, the spiritual holiness, the spiritual majesty of who Jesus is, of who God is in our life. In this time, they had an appreciation for the power and the majesty of who God was. They feared God, not a fear of, of cowering away, but they feared God in respect. They feared God in his greatness. They feared God in his holiness. So when they approached a holy God, they did not take it lightly. And also because in this time, you know, we, we know that well, this is before that, but later on as they would, uh, the presence of God would begin to dwell on earth with God's people, that to come into the presence of that holy God on earth would cause death, instant death because of the sinfulness of man. You know, and so they feared God. They saw the greatness of who God was, not only uh, in his punishment of sin and in, 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 in its effects, but also in what he would do for his people. You know, and I think that's the biggest thing we lose focus on in understanding Jesus as Lord and God as Savior of our life is that we lose focus on the power at which he steps alongside his people and what he brings to the table for us. And this morning, as we enter into this and we continue to ask ourselves this question, who is king? Who is king of my life? Who is king of my situations, my decisions? That as we journey through this, that we would begin embracing Christ in a true kingship and lordship in our lives. That we would truly understand, re, just 
we configure our mind to find majesty and magnificence and just be awestruck by how awesome and mighty our God is and not be distracted by anything less. You know, in Samuel, like we said, you know, last week, we, as we were talking about the family, we, we were kind of segueing into this a little bit as we talked about Samuel and his family situation being really a mess. But he had his mother who was just pouring into his life and just was so dedicated to, to him and his work for the Lord. Um, and, and so this morning, we kind of see that come to be. We kind of see the growth of Samuel here this morning. And Samuel is such a pivotal point in the individual, uh, uh, in the life of Israel and God's kingdom work. Um, because for for Samuel, he is the last of the judges, you know, coming through the books uh, before this. We see uh, God established judges who are basically the spiritual authority and all this stuff. And they were kind of the, the rule and people would go to them and they would expect things from them. And so uh, uh, Samuel being the last of the judges and not only is the last of the judges, but he is the one who steps in to establish the first two kings of Israel, which is huge for these people. He establishes kings. And so, you know, this helps begin. Uh, he helps them begin to refocus uh, on the authority of God and his majesty and who he is. And and this is, uh, you know, for us, you know, to, to allow him to show us this too. What, what Samuel intended to do for these people, allow him to do that for us this morning through how God intends to use him in this text that we read from. You know, he shows us how to begin to see and to live under the authority of Christ in our lives. In, in the midst of a lot that had been going on, you know, God was great and God had done so much, but, you know, the situations at which, uh, at which was going on in this place, in this time, were, were very bad, were, were very off. You know, even the religious leaders in themselves were not leading the people well. You know, we read uh, last week where we talked about Eli and, and some of his faults, and then we know later on we'll talk about Eli's sons. They were very sinful. They were taking from the people. They were using and abusing the people. So these were priests of God established in front of the people of God, using and, and abusing the people of God. So this is a very bad time. And we'll kind of read that a little bit more as we go on. But there's two things that I want us to see this morning as we kind of move into this. There's two things that I want us to see this morning that kind of help bring, refocus our minds to the majesty and, and all of God as we move into this place of, of, of who is king, asking ourselves who the king of our heart is, who the king of our life is, who is the ruler in the reign of our lives. And those, uh, the first thing this morning that I want us to see, that we'll see this example from Samuel present itself to us as we embrace the kingship of Jesus in our life. The first thing this morning is that Samuel was attentive to the call. That he was attentive to the call this morning. And, uh, and, and you know, we, we see that he was attentive because he responds, right? We read the text and it says that he responded. He said, here I am. He's hearing the voice, all those things. Um, and this was a very difficult time. And we see that from the beginning of this chapter where he could have been very easily distracted, very easily discouraged, very easily drawn into other things that were lesser than what was going on in that very moment. In verses 1 and 2, it says, For the word of the Lord was rare. There were no frequent visions, and the lamp of God had not yet gone out. This word, the lamp of God had not yet gone out, means that it was nighttime, that dawn had not come. So it's kind of bringing in this focus of darkness and, 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 and just disarray. You know, and, and a lot of this coming from disobedience, a lot of this coming from distractions from the people of God, and it had pulled their focus off the Lord. Even the religious leaders, like we had talked about with Eli and his two sons, they were just doing so much that was wrong. You know, and, and in our lives, you know, we, and we talk about this all the time, and there's just, 
there is so much going on around us, so much against us. You know, so much hate, so much discouragement, so much disagreement, you know, so much, so many reasons to be divided and distracted in this dark time that we live in. And so what Samuel uh, is doing in this moment, what is so beautiful is that he's so attentive to this call, even in the midst of the darkness, in the midst of the, the distractions. And the thing that we have to understand about Samuel, what is so beautiful about how God uses individuals is Samuel is a young boy. Samuel is 12 years old. Samuel has very little experience of anything. But it says that he's sleeping in the place of the Lord in the presence of the ark of the covenant. He is as close to God as an individual can get without dropping dead. He is in the presence of God. And so he is putting himself in a place to be attentive, to not be distracted by the things that are going on around him, but he's being attentive to the call that is made. And the Lord is calling out to him here. And he's not being distracted by that. You know, and, and Samuel wouldn't have been everyone's choice, as most people in the Bible would not have been everyone's choice. You know, we would have thought that Eli would have been that person. We would have thought maybe one of the priests would have been those people. But God, seeing their sinfulness, saw through that, saw the simplicity of who Samuel was, saw the, the authenticity of who Samuel was, and he saw that I can use that individual. And I love how God, all throughout the Bible, kind of continuously builds on this point of that I'm not looking for the best. I'm not looking for the best warrior. I'm looking for the most willing. I'm looking for those who are willing to step out, who those who maybe don't have the most experience, who maybe they don't aren't wouldn't be everyone's first choice to accomplish the work that I have and God is calling out to them I love in Isaiah 3 4 he says when he's talking about leadership in the in, in Israel he says this he says I will make boys their princes and I will make infants rule over them obviously he's exaggerating but he's showing them that none of you are worthy and I would use lesser to rule over you because you are not worthy of it you think you have it all together. You think you're the, the, the ones fit for the job. But he says, because of your sinfulness and your selfishness, you are not worthy of that. I would rather choose those who seem unworthy, those who seem unequipped to do the job. You know, Samuel was attentive to this calling. And what's beautiful about this moment is that God is calling him because he knows he's willing. And that willingness equals faithfulness. And that... As God is calling Samuel in this moment, what we can see and know is that he extends the call before the call is qualified. You know, he's done that to every, every single one of us, I hope, in some way, shape, or form. And I, I know for sure he's done that in my life. You know, as God called me to himself, as God was speaking out into my life and drawing me into himself, there is absolutely nothing that qualified me to be a follower of his. Absolutely nothing in the time whenever God was, was drawing me, creating opportunities for me to do any type of ministry that I was ever qualified to do those things. When God was putting a family into my lap and telling me, you are the, you are the leader of this family. You are the one that is responsible for them. I was nowhere near qualified and I still don't feel qualified most of the time. But church, God extends the call before, he is, before the call is qualified. And, and because we have to understand that God does the equipping and the preparing and the molding in our life. And so if we are attentive to that call, then he is drawing us into that so that he can do a work in our life, so that he can do something within us. Because the thing about Samuel, as we even continue on and read in verse seven, uh, verse seven he says that Samuel did not yet know the Lord uh, or the word, and, and the word had not yet been revealed to him. There is so much that Samuel didn't have. There was so much that Samuel didn't know. There's so much that Samuel had not experienced, yet the Lord still saw fit to call Samuel. 
God calls him before he really even knows God. You know, John 10, 14 says, when, when Jesus is talking, he says, I am the good shepherd and I know my own and my own know me. My own know me. And so for Samuel in this moment, he doesn't know God. But God knew him. And God was calling him to be one of his own. And I thank God with all my heart that God knew me before I knew him. I'm so thankful that God called me, made a call to me before I ever called out to him. Listen, and that's the way that he works in our lives. You know, John, uh, John chapter 10, verse 3, it says, To him uh, the gatekeeper opens, the sheep hears voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. Every call that the Lord makes to us is to lead us. He is leading us. And, and even if he's calling us before we know him, he's leading us out to himself. He's leading us out to greater things. He's leading, leading us out to greener pastures, to, to more safety, to more provision, to more protection. He's leading us out to greater. And, and, and even Samuel here, not knowing the Lord, God is calling him and leading him out. And I love here that Jesus, uh, that, that God even says later on in the verses, the last time he calls him, he says his name twice. Anytime the Bible shows repetition, it's showing this exaggeration or, or this uh, emphasis on something. He says, Samuel, Samuel. He's calling out even harder than he was before. You know, and, and a lot of times you'll hear this called this, this effectual call of Jesus, that, that God calls us and that he is drawing us into himself. He is drawing us into who he is and that he does not give up on that call. When that call has started, he does not stop that call. And I believe with all my heart that every single one of us are here and, and some of you are here this morning because God is calling you in some way, shape or form. So we ask, well, how does God call us? God uses the Holy Spirit to call us. Maybe we realize that maybe we don't. Maybe there's something that's drawing us to God and we just can't put our foot on it. We're just vaguely even interested in God. That shows that God is calling you. God is, is drawing you in. God is, God is, 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 is wooing you to himself. He is, he is bringing you into himself. He is drawing you in. And there's so much about that that we miss at times because we're distracted. Or maybe we're not sure of, of what that is, but I'm telling you this morning, if you're vaguely interested in the Lord, it's because the Lord is communicating to you. He is drawing you into himself. He is calling out to you. And I believe with all my heart that the theme of the Bible is, is pursuit, that God pursues his people, not because he needs us, but because we need him. God is pursuing us. He's been pursuing us since the very beginning. When Adam and Eve sinned in the garden, he went looking for them. He was pursuing them. He was calling out to them. Why do you hide from me? Not because he's just so desperate for us, because he knows how desperate we are for what he has for us. He is always pursuing and we are the ones running away. Without his calling, we would not come. Without his calling, we would not come. If any of you are here this morning and you've put your faith in the Lord Jesus, or if any of you are here, maybe you haven't gotten to that point yet, but, but you're interested, you're, you're curious about it, you just feel something drawing you in, some kind of magnetism, that means God is calling you and you are only able to respond to that call because God has given us the ability to. 
because he is he is drawing us in and he will not he will finish a work he has begun. He will complete that work that he started because Romans 3:11 tells us no one understands and no one seeks God. So Samuel himself is in this very moment. He was not seeking God and he didn't understand God. But God calling to himself is opening his eyes and drawing him into his goodness. Church, he is doing that for each and every one of us this morning He is drawing us into his goodness. If we vaguely understand who he is, if we're even remotely interested in who he is, it's because he's planted something within us that is drawing us in, that is opening our eyes, and he has knocked the scales off. He's, he's taken uh, the, 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 the earmuffs from our ears to allow us to hear, allow us to see little bits of who he is. And if we would allow ourselves to not be so distracted, then we would be able to enjoy that. We would be able to lead our families in that way. We would be able to worship in our churches that way. We would be able to love people outside of this building in that way. You know, continuing on, and, and Samuel says, here I am. Here I am. Being attentive to that call and making a proclamation of here I am. Samuel's response to the call is selfless, it's obedient. And there are two elements of Samuel's response that I want us to see. The first is it's simple. There's simplicity to it. He just says, here I am. You know, he doesn't ask what time. He doesn't ask what's it about. He just says, here I am. He doesn't overcomplicate it. He doesn't dwell on it too much. He just says, here I am. And I think that's such a beautiful, beautiful example for us to follow as we're listening to the Lord's call in our life. And then the second thing is that there's willingness there. This is not a geographical position. He's not saying, here I am in this space. He's saying, here I am. Do whatever it is that you want to do with me. Take me in whatever direction you would have me to go. Let, help me to lead my family the way you would have my family to go. Help me to be the husband, the father. Let, help us to be uh, the mothers and the wives that you call us to be. Help us to be those people the way that you want it to be. There's a willingness, an openness there, an excitement, a readiness that's expressed. He, he got up getting up three times to seek out in patience what he needed to do. There's just a sense of willingness. Listen, and as the Lord calls us to his kingdom, to his citizenship, as he's drawing us into himself, drawing us into the work that he has for us, then we would approach it with simplicity and willingness. Here I am. You know, continuing on, Eli gives him some instruction. Even though Eli had his faults, Eli, Eli was still a man of God, still sought the Lord. And Eli gives him some instructions that I believe we can learn from in hearing that call of King Jesus in our life, hearing the call that he has for us within our kingdom to do the work that he has us to do. And he says this, he says, Eli said in verse nine, go lie down. And if he calls, say, speak, Lord, your servant hears. And so what can we learn from just that phrase that Eli gives instruction to Samuel on in hearing and responding to the call of Jesus and the call of God in his life? The first thing that we can see from that is he tells him to be available, to be available. He says, go lie down, go lie down. Samuel, uh, Eli's telling him, go back to that place where you're hearing from God. Go back to that place where the Lord is speaking to you. 
He says, go, be available. We want, you know, and for us in our lives, we want what he has, but we don't want to put ourselves into a position to receive it. And that's what Eli is telling him. Put yourself in a position to be available to God's work in your life and in your family's life. And how do we do that? How do we accomplish that for us? Just being practical and applicable for us. We do that in God's word. God speaks to us in his word. When we put ourselves, we put our attention on God's word, we make ourselves available to hear from God. When we put ourselves within the context of the local church, we put ourselves in a place to be available to hear from God. Can God only speak in this building? Absolutely not. But it's within this community of believers that God uses each and every one of us to speak and to work through each other. You know, in serving others rather than ourselves, this is how we make ourselves available to hear from God. I mean, if you've ever done anything good from somebody, that, that, that overwhelming feeling of just joy and just satisfaction that we get from serving and lo loving others, that is the Lord speaking to us, bringing affirmation to what we've done. It feels good to do good for other people. And in the midst of that, God brings affirmation. He brings communication that we hear from, that we're motivated from, and that we continue to move in. So the other thing Eli tells him, as he says, if he calls. And so what he's saying is to not be presumptuous about God speaking. Don't just assume that what you're hearing, those thoughts that you're thinking are from God. There is a level of discernment that we must step into with our faith. There is a level of discernment that we have to have when wanting to hear from the Lord, wanting to hear his communication in our life, wanting to hear him speak to us, rather through his word or through our local church experience or our service. There are so many things that speak to us and we can't be distracted by the false voices. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 20, he says, Do not despise prophecies, but test everything. Hold fast what is good and abstain from every form of evil. So he's telling us, he says, look, don't despise what you hear. Don't despise everything that you hear, which is where we're at a lot of times. We hear a preacher, a pastor, or somebody say something, we're immediately pushing it away. But it says, don't always despise everything, but be discerning. But test everything. Test everything. Test every thought that we have that motivates what we do. Test every action that we take that motivates how we live. Take, every, take everything that we think and test it and hold fast to what is good. And he says, abstain from every form of evil. Listen, evil isn't always, evil isn't always wrapped in a, in a, in a package of evil. It's not always clear if something's evil or not. Listen, there are a lot of, a lot of, so-called Christian people that are presenting evil things that don't seem evil, that seem good, but because they're so false and so wrong that all they do is they bring hurt and damage and pain to people. So we have to be careful as we navigate that, that we don't just assume that everything we hear and everything we say and everything that's done in the name of, of God or even in the name of goodness is God speaking in that moment or God trying to tell us where we should go, what we should do. Continuing on, he says to, to say, speak, Lord, to respond to the word of God. Eli tells him to respond to the word of God. You know, we, we must hear. We must hear intently. You know, and, and so many people will speak and, and friends, teachers, radio, TV, all those things may speak to us. But it's all useless unless God speaks through it. You know, so our call, our call in this moment, while I'm preaching, while anybody's preaching, while you're listening to a podcast or you're listening to a, a conversation of, of believers or not believers, that we're calling out, Lord, speak, 
Speak, Lord. Speak in this moment. Speak in this situation. Speak through this preacher that is faulty in, 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 in so many ways. Speak, Lord, because I don't want you to hear from me. I don't want you to hear from Garen. I don't want you to hear from anybody else that preaches here or anywhere else. I want you to hear from the Lord. So our conversation, when we're seeking to hear from what God has for us, being attentive to his call should be speak, Lord. I want to hear from you because it's only the word of God that will stand forever. It's only the word of God. You know, I heard somebody say this week that the only thing that is truly uh, everlasting, the only thing that is true, constantly true that we will ever say in church is what I read from this word. This is the only thing that it will always be true. This is the only thing that will never fail us. This is the only thing that will never change is what is in this book and what God has, has spoken and inspired for us. The things I say may be wrong. Listen, there may be things that I misspeak. There may be things that I say that, that don't help. There may be things that, that, that just don't do it for you. The only true thing in everything we do as Christians is here, is what God says, not from me. So respond to the word of God with speak, Lord, to hear from him. And the last thing is to, uh, he tells him to respond in this way, your servant hears, your servant hears, that we would be, Eli is telling Samuel in this moment, that we would be humbled before God in his word. Your servant hears. And this word hears, uh, meaning that it's not just that I'm just hearing what you're saying, but it's this idea of that I'm hearing with interest. I'm hearing as to obey. I'm hearing to participate in what you're giving to me. And so there's this active participation that we're ready to listen, that, that we're ready to participate in what he has for us. And so, you know, for us, all of us, we all want to hear from God in our lives. We all want to hear the instruction. We want to hear the encouragement, but we seldom want to really listen. And that's what he's drawing us into. And we listen by putting ourselves lower than God. Because if we think we're equal or better than God, or we have better ideas than God has, then what God has has to tell us will never sink into us because we'll always trump it with what we want to do. He says, approach hearing the call of God with your servant hears. I'm lesser than you. And I'm here willing to do whatever it is you have for me to do. Lord, speak to me. Lord, speak to me. Your servant hears that we would approach it humbly. And so not only that we would be attentive to the call of the king in our life, but the last thing that, that we, I pray that we could be as individuals would be attentive to the calls. Attentive to the calls of the king in our lives. Because there's so much that comes with it. There's so much that comes with the calls of the king. There's so much that comes with the rule and reign of God in our lives that we can never replace or, 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 or Take the play. It, it, there is nothing in this world that we can get or grab or, or, or use that can fill the space that the calls of the King Jesus God brings in our life. In verse 10, it says, The Lord came and stood. You know, in God's holy patience with Samuel, that in pursuing Samuel that in Samuel's response to his call it says that the Lord came and he stood and this idea is one of the few times in the Bible when this happens something called a theophany whenever the presence of God is visible on earth 
God has visibly manifested himself in some way and in presence in front of someone and revealed himself physically to someone. It says that he came and he stood. Church, the thing that I pray that we can always remember is that the cause always comes with the courage from him, not from me. That the cause of God, the cause of the king, always comes with the presence of the king working on behalf of those that he's called. 1 Timothy 1.12 says, I thank him who has given me strength, Christ Jesus our Lord, because he judged me faithful, appointing me to his service. Samuel was faithful and he was consistent. And so what in the same way Timothy was and what happened, uh, uh, Paul was in this text. And what does he says? He says that he has given me strength because he's counted me faithful. He's counted me, appointed me to his service. You know, his promise, the promise of God, the promise of the king always comes with his presence. It is a package deal that we can't run out from under. We can't outrun the presence and the promises of a holy God when we put our faith in him. We can distract ourselves by it. We can push it away, but we can't outrun it. We can't take ourselves out from under it. It is a package deal that the cause, uh, that, that, that the courage always comes with the cause and that his presence always comes with his promises, that God stands with his people. And he has always done that. Read this book from front to back and you will constantly see a recurring theme of God standing with his people. God stands with his own. Joshua 1.9, he says, I have not commanded you. Have I not commanded you? Therefore, be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened and do not be dismayed for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Wherever you go. Romans 8.31 says, What then shall we, say, shall we say to these things if God is for us? Who can stand against us? Wherever we go, He'll be with us. No matter what's against you, He'll overcome it. This is the truth that comes with His cause and the promises that follow when we have heard the call, we have responded to the call of the king in our life and, and have submitted ourselves as servants to his rule and his reign. He says that what comes with that is his presence to do the work and the, and the power and the courage to step into his calls. I mean, don't we all desperately want that and need that in every space of our life? You know, there's so much that we want from God or we want to enjoy the gifts of what God gives without submitting ourselves to the leadership and the authority of who God is. You know, I... I, I I love people and I love that they reach out for these things. But have you ever noticed that people ask for prayer who don't really believe in God, don't acknowledge God, but they want they want the presence. They want the gift of prayer. Right. Have you seen, you know, we 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 want goodness, but we want goodness separate from God. We want uh, we want to feel comfort, but we want comfort separate from the comforter. We want promises separate from the promise maker. We want the way to be made without the way maker. We want all these things, but I don't want it at the expense of the kingship that I hold in my life. I want to be king of my life. I want to be Lord over my life. I want to be ruler over my things. But what God is inviting us into is this idea where with the king comes confidence with the king comes comfort with the king comes courage with the king comes all these things that I can't find in my king with me as the king within my kingdom in my citizenship in my my lordship it's in the lordship of Jesus 
Because with the lordship of Jesus comes his strength. With my lordship comes my faults. With my lordship comes more shame and guilt and, and, and mistakes because I'm going to fail. I'm going to make mistakes. Does that mean that I can't, can't navigate those things and flee those things? Absolutely not. As a Christian, we should. But as a Christian, our theme is recurrent failure to rest in the righteousness of Jesus. He tells us, verse 19, he says, the Lord was with him. The Lord was with him. Listen, the, the Bible in the Old Testament would constantly use this phrase of the Lord being with them or being with him or being with these people to show us the difference between success and failure. To show us the difference to, between success and failure. Now, what we have to understand about that success and that failure is those things may not always be immediate and they may look different than what we think. Because the Bible even talks about in Psalm chapter 74, uh, 73, it talks about, hey, the wicked being successful. Hey, it talks about those rebelling against God, accomplishing what they want to accomplish and doing what they want to do. But their time is coming. And so for Samuel here in verse 19 of, of, of 1 Samuel 3, he says that the Lord was with him. And then what did he do? It says that he let none of his words fall to the ground in verse 19. Just such an awesome verse that he was with him, stood with him in his presence, and that he would not let any of his words fall to the ground. That means he established him. He was holding him up. That he didn't say that, that, that Samuel's, uh, Samuel acted in a way as if his words didn't fall to the ground or as if he didn't fail. It says that he didn't fail because the Lord was holding them up. That he, would, that he would not let his words, he would not let him fail. He would not let him fall to the ground. And then what does God say to Samuel in verse 11? He says that I am about to do a thing. I am about to to do a thing. You know, and that phrasing can seem very insignificant, especially because us, and I don't know about you, but I tend to do this. Uh, you know, when we say, uh, I'm about to, uh, we throw that around very loosely, right? Uh, but the, the I'm about to from God is much different than I'm about to from me. The I'm about to from me means that I forgot about it and I don't want to get in trouble for not doing it, so I'm going to get to that shortly. I'm getting to it. I, I didn't forget about it, which means that I did forget about it. If I say I'm about to, it's because I forgot. I just gave that away, so that'll be used. Uh, that, that can be used against me later. But when God says I'm about to do a thing, there comes a sense of confidence and a certainty to that cause. I'm about to do something is the promise of God moving towards a place of certainty that he invites us into. He invites us into the I'm about to in our life. God is saying, I'm about to do something magnificent in your family. If you'll be attentive to my call and my calls, he says, I'm about to do something significant in your life. If you'll respond to my call and be attentive to my cause, he says, I'm about to transform your life in every way, shape or form in a way only I can. If you'll allow me. And that I'm about to comes with certainty. And what does he say when he's continuing on here? He tells him, he says that, that I'm about to, the I'm about to, he says is that he's clearing out the corruptible and paving out a way for the king. He's paving a way for the king. And in verse 15, we see Samuel participate in his task. In verse 15, it says, and he opened the doors of the house of the Lord. Listen, Opening doors is going to be the job of Samuel moving forward. 
He's going to open doors for the king of Israel to reign under God's authority. He's going to open doors for new things to happen for God's people. He's going to open doors for a work of God in, our, in, in their lives. And he is inviting us into that cause, opening doors for new beginnings, opening doors for God's work in our kids' lives, opening doors for our spouse's work, for, for the work of God in our spouse's life, opening doors is the cause of God. And I am so thankful for that because there was a time in my life when God opened a door, when someone uh, that God was using opened a door in front of me and said, there is a king that has a call and a cause for your life. And it's greater than anything else you'll ever experience. And someone opened that door for me. I pray that we could be door openers for other people. That's the cause that God is inviting us into. And why does this matter this morning? Church, when we're resting and trusting in the Lord, his lordship, his kingship. He leads us to greater things and he keeps us in that greatness. You know, Samuel would accomplish a lot of great things. Like I said, he would establish the kings, but he would also challenge the people and begin opening doors in front of them. Later on, and we'll hit these verses later on, but just to reference them, just so we could see this call was playing out in 1 Samuel 3. And Samuel said to all the house of Israel, uh, 1 Samuel verse, uh, chapter 7, verse 3, he says, And Samuel said to all the house of Israel, If you are returning to the Lord with all your heart, if you are returning to the Lord with all your heart, then put away the foreign gods from among you and direct your heart to the Lord and serve him only. And he will deliver you out of the hand of the Philistines. Samuel was opening doors to new paths in front of those people. He says, listen, you're returning to the Lord. You want the good things God's got for you. He says, put away these false, empty things you're worshiping. Serve God only. And that he would deliver you out of the hands of your enemies. Church, I don't know about you, but every single morning I wake up, I step into the hands of an enemy. And I constantly need to make this prayer. God, I'm returning to you today. I need you today to lead me out of this enemy. And how do we do that? He says, put away the false worship that we're getting satisfaction and believing in in our lives. Whatever that might be, there's so many things that might be. And commit our service to the Lord, your, direct our hearts to the Lord and His rule, Yahweh, Jehovah, in our lives, and serve Him only. Making a way. He says, put away the foreign gods. Put away those empty idols in your life. And then He also tells them, of the, the, the Israel here in uh, 1 Samuel 15. He says, and Samuel said, Has the Lord had great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice and to listen than the fat of rams. Opening doors. Showing the people, listen, you've been sacrificing and doing all this religious work for so long. Do you understand God wants you and your obedience more than He wants any good work we can do? He says He wants you. He's opening the door to true relationship with Christ. He's opening the door to... to enjoying the life of the kingdom calls of God in their lives. Church, and he is inviting us into his cause this morning. And I pray that we could be those people. I pray that we could be those people living in the kingdom of this king. That's cross point. Living in the kingdom of this king in our lives. Living in the kingdom of this king as we're Hearing the call of God in our life, putting ourselves in position to hear it, responding, humbly hearing what He has for us in obedience, and being attentive and understanding that He has a cause for us and that He is about to do a thing in our lives if we would respond and let Him react. Let us pray. 
Father God, I thank you for this morning. God, I thank you so much for who you are and what you do. Father, I just want to ask that you would just speak to us this morning and God, just challenge us in every way. God, as here shortly as we begin to, to partake of the Lord's Supper, I pray we would be reminded and as your word tells us, remembering what you've done for us. That you've done a good work for us. God, that you've done more for us than we could ever do on our own. God, and that you are calling us. God, each and every one of us have a call this morning that you have sent out to us and that you are drawing us to yourself. Pray, Lord, I pray we'd be attentive to that. God, I pray that we would be attentive to the calls that you have for us and that you are about to do a thing in our life. You are opening a door for us so that we can open doors for others. Lord, I thank you for all you do. God, and I thank you for who you are. Lord, we love you and thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.